Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Howdy. Good morning. Is winter over? I hope so. I hope I'm, so I'm putting all the winter stuff away. I, I like that quick change. Off in western New York, we don't get it. So we got like another month of, you know, 40 degrees and muddy. Um, so it's a great time to be homebrewing, and I know a lot of people are because we're really getting busy. If you had winter hobbies, you know, the past month was great. If you were skiing, ice fishing, anything like that, snowmobiling. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to, you know, wrestle in the mud or at least in this weather. Yeah. So you got to find something to do indoors now. Might as well have some fun and kind of get ahead for summer and stack some beer away. So it's time to brew. So coming up, we've got a lot of stuff on the on the docket. We're going to get to Irish stouts. We're going to talk South Korean beer as well. Um, but spring, I, I also think about like as spring springs, some festivals, beer fests, uh, homebrew competitions. It, it mm-hmm. feels like it's definitely competition time of year. Yeah, it feels like the sure. brewing calendar kind of follows the golf calendar, where there's only about like three months where it's a little quieter, yeah. and then it roars back in full force in March and April. Yeah, and, and I think the weather. Yeah, with both part of those of has a big part to play with it. Um, and, yeah, I know I'm stocking up right now. I, I have a lot of outdoor hobbies for both, you know, summer and fall and, you know, winter. But in this time of year, you don't really have many options. And so, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's time to start brewing. It's time to get ahead a little bit and uh, make some use of your time. And we're two weeks from the 12th annual Art of Beer, which yeah. is uh, at the Niagara Arts and Cultural Center. Mm-hmm. The You refer to it as Western New York's original beer tasting event. How long has it been around exactly? 12 years now? 12 years. 12th annual Art of Beer Fest. Tw- more than 20 vendors, 75 menu items, $35 pre-sale tickets as well. Mm-hmm. And those are available at NACC.org. Org or at Niagara Tradition if you want to just walk right in. Gotcha. You guys selling paper tickets right paper there? Paper tickets right there. Okay. You get your hard copy. You got your number. You're ready to go. Very good. Uh, so that's two weeks from today. And then the Amber Waves of Grain homebrew competition is at the end of – the deadline is the end of March competition uh, two weeks after that. So you've got about three weeks to uh, – no, not three weeks. Four, I was doing four weeks. Four or five weeks. Sorry. Yeah. I saw your 36 days remaining. And I, I don't know why I did the so math like that. you still have a lot of options for stuff to brew. You know what I mean? If you're looking for a week primary, a week, maybe two weeks secondary, and then a, you know, a week to two weeks of bottle condition, you still have that time. So if you're looking to brew, um, you may want to start sinking competition. I know I'm brewing this weekend, and what I did is I took my recipe, I you know looked at its terminal stats compared to what the styles are, and I made a couple of little tweaks to bring it a little bit more into style. And every beer that I brew between now and then, I'm going to do that same, and I'm going to put away a six-pack of bottles so that I have some when it comes around time for the competition. Very good. So start thinking about that here. Um, and even if you don't have a beer that's brewed exactly to style or brewed for competition, still enter it. We always say it's your best chance for you know, getting feedback on your beer. There's no better place to get it. Um, and not only are you going to get feedback, but you're going to get suggestions on how to fix these problems in your beer and what you can do to make the beer that much better. 
All right. Hop rhizomes, what's the word there? There are a bunch available on the website. So we have all the common varieties like Cascade, Columbus, East Kent, Golding, Hallerotau. On the website, we'll still have some more coming up, um, but start thinking about it now. I'm starting to already look where I have a little bit extra space to plant another rhizome in the backyard. They really love an early start. They're a wonderfully beautiful perennial um, that is really mildly, we'll say, destructive. It can't call it mildly invasive. It does spread you know, pretty well, we'll say, but it does need something to trellis. So as long as you have a space where you can give it something to climb, it's easy to keep it isolated, and it grows these wonderful clusters of kind of green pine cone flowers every fall. So it kind of blooms at the end of the year when not a lot of other stuff is, uh, and it really makes a wonderful ornamental, even if you're not using it to brew. What's a carbonation lid? Well, that's a new product that we just got in. Um, so before, and we've talked about this once before, options for artificially carbonating beer, and we talked about something called a carbonation tank or bright tank or motorless carbonator, which is at the homebrew level, usually a Sankey, or I'm sorry, Cornelius keg that on the gas side, you've installed a CO2 stone. Now this is usually like a 0.5 micron porous steel stone. And what these stones do is they vastly increase your surface area. So how you accelerate the carbonation of beer when you're shaking it is you're actually increasing the safe surface area uh, between the you know CO2 at high pressure and the liquid that is you know able to dissolve some of that CO2. Um, and by increasing that surface area, you increase the rate at which it dissolves. The CO2 does that, stone does that without shaking. So you have this porous stone, and within this little two-inch stone, there's a lot of surface area. So it basically is giving you the equivalent surface area of shaking the living daylights of the keg, except it's a lot easier on your back. So before the options for these making your own bright tank or motorless carbonator, we're buying the stone pre-attached to a stainless steel dip tube. You had to then insert it into the keg and flare it. So that meant that that stone, which are pretty expensive. I think I paid $70 for mine. I do own two of them. Um, is permanently installed in that keg. You can't move it over to another beer or something like that. So once you were done, you know, brighting, carbonating, you really, your only option was to transfer the beer into another keg. So you had to sanitize, a, you know, a jump line, CO2 lines, another keg, possibly something to bleed out the pressure, Wes. And then you had to sit there and wait while the beer transferred, hoping you didn't bring any sediment over at the end. So it was kind of a touchy process. Uh, it was expensive. You were relying on these like kegs as basically as bright tanks. Um, so you always had to do this extra transfer. Now there's something called a carbonation lid, which people were making themselves, but now there's some that are, you know, people who are actually kind of welding the pieces together. Um, it's being done at Fox Equipment, which is an American-made, very reliable equipment company. They sell some of their own products as well as um, a lot of different kind of common kegging stuff. Mm -hmm. And what this is, is you have a universal Cornelius keg lid. So it'll fit a Pinlock, it'll fit a Ballock, Firestone, Challenger doesn't matter what as long as it's not the racetrack style lid this lid will fit it and in the center of it there's a ball lock gas disconnect that goes down to a soft like two foot hose down to one of these carbonation stones so what the big part of this is is that you can carbonate the beer take the pressure off remove this lid put the original lid back on and you're done so instead of, you know, letting it sit at, you know, 20 PSI for two weeks or something like that, or shaking the living daylights out of the keg for a half an hour to 45 minutes, all you do is install this lid, so replace it with the regular lid, 
hook up your gas to there, let it go for you know a couple of days. It's really going to go violently first and then kind of leave it there overnight. Take off the pressure, remove the lid, and you have a keg of carbonated beer. No shaking, no two weeks of waiting. It's done right then and there. And then you can move that lid over to another beer. Wow. So you can use it on different kegs. And so that's huge because it's not it's not as cheap as a stone alone, but it's not that more expensive. Like I said, I paid $70. You got to buy the long stainless steel rod. I believe I didn't write down a price. I believe this is under well under $100. Um, Careful there. Yeah. Well under $100 <laughs> well all under of a sudden. $100, yeah. Um, and it is uh, very useful. All right. So um, and this is going to be a big back saver, time saver. Right. This is one of those convenience items. You definitely don't definitely. need it. But is it's it not going to make your beer better, but it's going to make your life a lot easier brewing. And anytime you can make your your life easier, that's actually what is going to make you brew more. If you can take the unfun parts of the process out, if you can spend more time drinking, brewing, less time cleaning, transferring, all that stuff, you're more likely to do it. All right. Uh, speaking of convenience and something you might want to do for that, how about the idea of uh, the grandfather? If you're going to bring a tax return in, yeah, we are seeing a lot of. So yeah. maybe another reason why this is hobby season, not just the weather, is it's also tax return season. So folks have a little bit of extra spending money, and we would definitely encourage you to bring it into Niagara tradition. Um, we have a couple of grandfathers in stock because it's been a popular selling item right now. For those who aren't familiar with it, it's an all-in-one brewing system, uh, but unlike the Brewy Brugini or um, uh, P. Eco brew, you're actually doing the brewing. You know what I mean? With some of these systems, you're literally putting ingredients, telling a computer what ingredients you have, how the recipe goes, or downloading the recipe, and then just sending it off. Kind of like the you know bread making machines of the mid '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a lot more serious than that. It really mimics kind of some of the bigger like easy brew systems and how it sparges. It's electric. It has thermostatic control. Uh, doesn't do the fermentation for you again. It's just for the brewing. Um, but it's a really nice unit. They're just under a thousand dollars. Um, they fit into your kitchen cupboards with all the equipment inside when you're done. So they're kind of ergonomically uh, designed to kind of be put away. Um, and people really, really like them. Yeah. Um, established brewers, people who have been brewing for 15 years are moving over to these grandfather systems. Is and it, I think that's really a, 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 the fact that we have established brewers saying, you know what, I have all this equipment I paid more money for, I, I'm experienced with, but man, I would love to do this on the tool bench downstairs. Yeah. And yeah, you can produce five gallons of just as good beer as I can with my you know big Kegel system through this little grandfather. Do you think it's a, a, a product of, I've gone through the brewing process so many times, it's a bit mechanical for me. I don't have a problem making it a bit more mechanical. Now it's about the creative side of it. Like it's about the beers yeah, the, yeah. that I create rather than the beers that I machine out myself. You got it. And there, there's definitely, I think, there's a, there's a whole um, niche for that in home brewing is people who part of the fun. And I think it was for me definitely starting off. It was like, hey, I'm getting cheap beer. I enjoy the mechanical end of it. Mm-hmm. I, en- I enjoy designing my systems, helping my friends get brewing systems going. You know, oh, you want a kegerator? Yeah, here's the list of parts to buy. Bring it over. I'll help you put it together. Um, that was, I think, that what took my interest initially and still does for a lot of home brewers. But uh, as it goes along, um, I've made my system. I've had problems. I've fixed those problems. I had fun doing that. But at this time, I don't want problems, <laughs> and that's why I own a grain father as well. So I would put myself on that list to experienced brewers 
who's gotten a grandfather just to make uh, the whole process a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Again, it's if it's the weather's out, bad out, I don't have to be in the garage. I can be inside. I can set it up right on my kitchen counter, right underneath my regular hood, and brew a five-gallon all-grain batch in three and a half hours. Yeah. So it's impressive. Good stuff. All right, before we get to uh, the Irish Stouts, what about South Korean beer? I mean, so the, yeah, I, I touched on this last week. That the, I, I, during the, the Olympics, we were going to talk about this for exactly. a minute. Exactly. So I have friends who were in the service who ended up stationed in South Korea, uh, and they were always impressed with um, there was a fair availability of imported beer, although it was quite expensive. Um, there was two kind of dominant brands, uh, Height and Ob. Um, and then there was also the kind of m- more popular beverage, I think maybe because it was a little bit, you know, exotic, was soju. Which, and so when I think of them coming home, I think of them stuffing um, this clear uh, rice, kind of almost like malt liquor strength beverage into their suitcases. And so that's all I really thought of. I did a little bit of research after last week's show. And so it's been dominated by these two brewing companies uh, for a large part because of very strict house regulations on the breweries. Um, But more recently, um, they've relaxed some of those restrictions on smaller breweries. So you're actually seeing a lot of microbreweries popping up in South Korea. Um, as well as another thing popping up in South Korea, and that is home brewing is becoming very popular. Um, I was very quickly able to find Korean homebrew clubs um, and like a list of their meetings. Wow. So, you know, if you're traveling through the area for the Olympics and you want to stop by a homebrew meeting, you know what I mean? Um, they're there. All right. So, um, yeah, so they have a, a fairly diverse. Brew scene, maybe not in the macro scene, but very much growing in the micro scene. So I think what we're seeing is, and we, we talked about this in uh, Brazil, um, I think worldwide people are saying, I want better beer and I want a variety. Um, you kind of see what, you know, you know, other countries see what, you know, the U.S. has been doing and, you know, the options available in Europe. And I think that's one of the reasons that we as a country started moving to better beer, saying like, hey, I traveled. There's a lot better stuff out there. And so as we reach a global economy, everybody wants better beer, and they all want their own better beer. Yeah. Well, pretty cool, you know, to find out beers from around the world that you might not think of as, uh, you know, South Korea is like typical kind of place. All right, one we know much better, Irish stouts. We'll get to that on the other side. How to brew up your Irish stout. We're getting close to uh, St. Patrick's Day, kind of, and uh, Irish stout season, that kind of stuff. That's on the way next on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White, Brooke Deister. Uh, 12th Annual Art of Beer is on the way. It's two weeks from today. You can get tickets at Niagara Tradition, so stop in for that. AWOL competition, the deadline for entries March 31st. Just those are two, uh, you know, two dates to keep in mind. Yeah. So let's talk Irish stouts. And it's a good, a good time of year. So you have, it's a little ways away, but if you're looking to brew an Irish stout, 
now's the time you want to be thinking about it. As well as if you're thinking about entering AWOG, Irish Stout is a fairly simple beer and, and a good one to get kind of a good reflection of your overall brewing process. So the recipes are fairly simple, but it's kind of how you brew it that really makes a difference in competition. So if you're looking for a beer to brew, this is a good one. So a little bit of backstory. Obviously, when we're talking about Irish Stout, we really are talking about Guinness. And they opened up in 1799 brewing, you know, English porter that they called a quote-unquote stout porter, meaning it's stronger, it's roastier, it's bigger. You know what I mean? It's the bigger version. Um, and Guinness was really wrong first breweries to kind of use also black patent roasted barley in their stouts and porners starting in the early 1800s so we can really kind of credit them with dumping in loads of just burnt grain into the beer so if, if you love beers that you know are coffee like you know you can definitely thank guinness although the modern product doesn't have that quite same big roasty flavor after World War II guinness began using the roasted barley primarily while london brewers kind of continually stuck to their brown malt, which is like a heavily toasted malt, still has some enzymatic content, um, and produces a very strong, astringent, nutty flavor. Um, so we'll say that the amber malt can definitely be in brown, um, kind of a mixed bag on whether people really like it, because it does have this really astringent flavor, and it's usually used in high volumes, where this you know, kind of heavier roasted Irish malts can be used in small amounts to get a lot of flavor, a lot of color. And as you're using less of it, you would get less of these astringent flavors. Um, they've always imported or exported a few versions of their beer. And partially why Guinness is so popular is because they really made a push to be an export beer company. Um, they were kind of competing with England, with a lot of German brewers with these new markets. United States being one of them, that didn't really have an established beer scene and certainly didn't have a good established beer scene. Ours had just been wrecked by Prohibition, um, and a lot of Europe's had just been wrecked by World War II. So although a lot of breweries made it through then, there was kind of supply problems, and Guinness kind of took advantage of this and became one of the original big exporters of beer. So they had the drought, the extra, and then the foreign extra for kind of different levels of roastiness and alcohol to fit different markets. Um, and so often when we're talking about a style and we're talking about Irish stout, we're really kind of pointing to one example, and that's these kind of original kind of Guinness beers. Um, and they kind of set the style. So just like Sarah Nevada set the style for American Pale Ale, um, you know, Guinness set the style for Irish stout. Um, and there's like a very, you know, say large diversity. So you have like the draft, which is usually like 4%. The extra stout is usually 55 to 6 And then the foreign extra can be really big, you know, closer to what we think of as a, uh, uh, an imperial. Um, but one of the reasons I love Irish stouts, and it was one of the first kind of beers that I brewed, is because they're fairly cheap. Um, and when I was first brewing, uh, and I lived in downtown Buffalo, there was nothing that made you really more popular than having a cheap keg of Irish stout walking around the streets on St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kept it to our own personal block. Yeah. You, you don't bring the keg and that kind of crew, you know, down to the parade. That's just kind of a keg to go around to your neighbors and say, hey, you want a pitcher of stout? Again, that will make you really, really popular. Mm -hmm. And so if we talk about like a stout recipe, they're really easy to brew. We're talking about a quick mash. So you usually start with five pounds of an Irish pale malt, two pounds of flaked barley, a pound of roasted barley, an ounce of EKG, and that's it. 
you need your yeast. Why well, use 1084? So if you came in and you bought this all at Niagara Tradition, you're looking at 24.90 for a whole keg of beer. Pretty good. 25 bucks. So yeah. if, if anybody's been listening to the show and you're wondering, this sounds like a lot of work. You need to know a lot. Why do people home brewing? Because 25 bucks and you get a keg of Guinness. That gets you, what, eight beers? You know what I mean? Right. Especially if you're buying them like at a gas station on the parade route. You know, you're looking at like eight beers for 25 bucks mm-hmm. or a whole keg. It's up to you. Um, but yeah, wonderful beer to brew. And then you have the Irish Red Ale, which is actually a lot more modern. Um, it was produced really to compete with English bitters for people who weren't looking for the amber or the roasted malt they wanted something with a little bit of sweet they would still use a touch of the roasted malt to kind of set it apart from the English bitters Um, and they're also a very easy quick beer to brew you would almost take the same recipe put in more pale out put in a little bit of crystal a tiny bit of roasted barley uh, and you really have the kind of same beer for around the same price Um, so yeah, brew your own St. Patrick's Day beer if you can. We have nitrogen systems available. We have all the ingredients ready to go. Startup kit with the ingredients. You're looking at under 100 bucks, and you're making, yeah, you're home five gallons of Irish what's the idea? What's the timeline of that? Really quick. Yeah. You're looking at like a week for fermentation, good, good a week for really quick turnaround. And another reason why I think Irish Stout was one of my favorite beers to brew when I was first brewing is because of that quick, you know, two-week turnaround or less if you have a kegging system you can really get it out in about like seven to ten days um so you have plenty of time to procrastinate i guess we just admitted mm-hmm. between now and saint patrick's day but you should brew one yeah they're cheap cheap It'll impress and, your friends and popular and and timely i mean you know whether it's guinness or uh, murphy's i mean these are the beers that people feel like they want to drink around this time of the year let me ask you this because i think for the beer drinker that is about, you know, we have craft beer drinkers that listen to this show. But for people that dabble in craft beers, I think they tend to stay away from Guinness because they the the review is, it's just too heavy for me. Which is the opposite of reality. It's, it's, so, nobody's ever tried it. So wh- I'm, I'm just convinced that nobody's has actually wh- why, ever written about Guinness has actually ever drank Guinness. Why do people, I, I don't know, I think some people that drink Guinness feel like it's, maybe it's because they don't ever drink dark beers and the malt feels heavy it's funny to me because i know some people where guinness is their like drinking all day in the sun beer and i absolutely understand it and and it 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 can be for me too a lot easier than like a goza or a (laughs) saison you know what i mean it's it's really light if you go back to start looking at the stats your final gravity is like at seven points you know what i mean um it's really light bodied and i don't think people realize that adding this roasted malt really doesn't add much as far as water soluble elements to the beer you end up with a lot of tannins and stuff like that but even for guinness I mean, the amount of roasted malt in Guinness compared to, we'll say, like, Edmund Fitzgerald. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I would say easily, like, four times as much roasted malt in a beer like that. But I know plenty of people who will drink Edmund Fitz who are fearful of drinking a Guinness (laughs) or a Murphy's. And they say, oh, it's too rich. It's like drinking a cheeseburger. I'm just convinced that they've never tried it. Yeah, Um, It's light-bodied. Uh, it is nitrogen, not CO2, so you're not getting, like, the load of, like, you know, burps and kind of bloating afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah low gravity, not the a lot. Caloric there. level. I mean, it's pretty low in calories. Very low. I, I forget. We I know when we talked about uh, 
Irish stout two years ago. I wrote down all the, the kind of caloric intake. It's right up there with like Michelob Ultra. Yeah, right. you know, like, I think it's like 95 calories a for a Guinness. It's better for you. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of cultures, uh, especially in like northern and eastern Africa, where they consume a lot of roasted barleys without alcohol for the positive effects it has on your kidneys and your uh, digestive system. What kind of drink has roasted barley without alcohol? Oh, we've covered it. Um, <laughs> I believe you. I, just, I don't know if I've ever heard of it. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, it's not Tej, although it can. Um, but, yeah, no, they they make almost like a, we'll say, somewhere between like a, a coffee and a Goya malt soda. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just used like some crystals, maybe some, if you want to mimic it, you got some leftover crystal, you got some leftover special B, you got some chocolate malt, maybe throw in a tiny bit of actual coffee in there, put it in your French press, you know, let it sit there for 20 minutes, press it out, let it cool, and... That is what some people in this world call beer. And it's very refreshing and it's very good for you. Doesn't do much to put you to bed on a Saturday night, but, yeah. you know, very good for you. Very and cool. so that's the other thing. When, you, when you're drinking something that's a, like a, the beer that's trying to become the lowest calorie beer, it's not necessarily one of the better beers for you. It's, you know, like kind of like back to like Michael Pollan or Palin's like eat real food, drink real beer. If you want beer that's not going to, like, upset your stomach or give you a big beer gut or, you know what I mean, have problems, drink mm-hmm. real beer. Surprise. Um, and Guinness would definitely fit into that, you know what I mean? Yeah, right, Real beer. Right. It's made to its original recipe. It doesn't have, like, adjuncts in it. There's no corn. There's no rice added. It is pretty true, although a bit lighter, but pretty true to its original style and its original recipe. Yeah. And good for you. Quick thing. we got two minutes left in the show. I want to bring up something to you about – like beer traveling. If you're traveling and you're trying to find places to go get great craft beer, um, one thing that I've found, I think we're really lucky in New York and in this area to see not only how many craft breweries we have, but the availability of that kind of oh, beer. Oh, the distribution is really it's off the charts. It's com- really competitive. It's off the charts good. Canada doesn't have that. You go to Canada, they do have great craft beer, but if you go out to a restaurant, it's not necessarily going to be there. No. And I, and I was just in Colorado and out skiing on all the resorts. They have craft beer, but they have the macro craft beer, all of it. Or, if, and, or and like a, when I went trout fishing out in Colorado one time, we had to go for quite a drive to get anything more than domestic light. Right. And we eventually, so we were kind of looking around disappointed at a gas station and somebody saw us and said, hey, you know what I mean? There's a restaurant or bar way down the way. It sells six packs. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're looking for, like, good beer, head that way. And so we had to drive, like, 20 minutes to get decent beer. No, we have wonderful, but although, again, highly competitive beer distribution. And while it doesn't quite favor the brewer often, it definitely favors the consumer in New York State. And so it's really amazing what we're able to get. That shelf space is definitely fought for, you know what I mean, between imports, local breweries, um, but again, we're the real winner here mm-hmm. in the long run. Something not to take for granted. You know? Oh yeah, oh, we definitely. you go out, you're gonna find options, and the price is really good. I too. agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. Absolutely. All right, that's it for us here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Uh, reminder: two weeks, the 12th annual Art of Beer stop in Niagara Tradition. Pick up your tickets and uh, bring those tax returns in. We brew up some good beers. Oh yeah. We'll be back next week. And hopefully, uh, winter is done. And when we're back next week, we're talking about more temperatures. You know, in the 50s and maybe 60s. Maybe uh, 60s. Maybe 60s. Moving from lagers to maybe ales. That'd be great. Another month would be nice to be talking about saisons. Indeed, That's, that would be wonderful. That's it. Talk to you next week on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. Beer, 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 beer. 
listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.